You are listening to Melbourne Lights Church Weekly Podcast. Would you open your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 1 this morning? Um, as, a, as a local church, we are in a series that we've called um, The Church That Jesus Is Building. And in this series, we're asking this question, what does a church that Jesus is building look like? What does a church that Jesus is building look like? I, I can't get away from the fact that the church that Jesus is building looks like Jesus. It's his church. He's the head. It looks like him, and it's built upon him. It's a people. It's not a, it's not a, a building. It's not a meeting. It's a people who revere him, who do what he did. And he said even greater things, who say what he said, who honor him, who revere him, who become more like him um, every day that we live, and who disciple others to become more like him. It's all about Jesus. It's not a game to play. It's not a box to tick. It's not a religious gathering. It's a people who are saying, Jesus is our focus, and everything that we do is about becoming more like him and helping others see him and become more like him. The church that Jesus is building is a people who look and act like Jesus. Part of being a people who look and act like Jesus or being the church that he's building is being an apostolic people. Being an apostolic people. Have you found Acts chapter 1? Acts chapter 1, if you don't have a Bible with you today, it's going to come up on the screen. But if you have a Bible, it's great to turn there and highlight it. And, you know, it's good to, like, write in your Bible and mark it up and write things that God's saying to you. Acts chapter 1 from verse 6 says this. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? The disciples are still thinking in natural terms. He said that it is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Interesting scripture. I love it because it talks about power. It talks about witness. And it talks about his kingdom. He's shifting them from a natural thing to a spiritual He's saying the power of God is going to come upon you and you will be my witnesses. Um, we spent a lot of time as a church over the last couple of years looking at the Great Commission in Matthew 28. It says this from verse 18, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Many of us have an idea of church being a Sunday gathering, a place where we come to receive and to be fed. But God's intention was always that the church would be a going people and a sent people. The heart of apostolic Christianity is to fulfill the commission given by Jesus to make disciples of all nations. By planting churches, by equipping saints, by training leaders, and by everyone being involved and playing their part. A priesthood of all believers. Not just leaders, not just those who are pastors of churches. Every single person playing their part to see his kingdom, his rule and reign come to our neighborhoods, our nation, our cities, and the nations. And apostolic people have a passion to go, not just to gather. 
to send, not just to stay, and to give, not just receive. There's a shift for us. If we've grown up in church with the idea that we just come to receive and be fed, there's a shift for us this morning to say we want to be an apostolic people. We want to be a going people. We want to be people who go and, not, and don't just gather. We want to be people who send and not just stay and who give, not just who receive. It's a church body that embraces the prophetic purposes of God, that gives everything we have without compromise that runs after him with abandon to be who God's called us to be and do what he's called us to do. There is a prophetic call across the globe right now in this season to stop playing church games. We're not called just to come and sit in a building and, and, and become fat, lazy Christians. We're actually called to go. It's, it's gather and go, gather and go, with a, a heart to say, Jesus, come again. Jesus, come back. And to let every person hear the gospel. It starts with you and I saying yes in our hearts. The mandate of the church is to go into the entire world. Why do we spend time as a church, why do we set time aside to say we want to go out onto the streets, get out of the four walls and share the gospel? Because the mandate of the church is to go. It's not just to gather. Gathering's important. It's good. It's good that we can be here together and encourage one another. But our call is to go. If we gather and we never go, we've missed the point of who God's called us to be to go into the entire world, not only our cities and our suburbs where we already live or our own streets in our own countries, but the entire world. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth isn't a list that we choose, uh, for us to choose what we prefer. Think about that. Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He didn't say, here's some, you choose what you like. It's all of it at the same time. And it's the mandate of the church. This attitude has to be expressed in all that we do. We are here today sitting in a church gathering called Melbourne Life Church in Hallam, Victoria, because somebody said yes to go to the ends of the earth. I think that, that Melbourne is the most beautiful city in the world, but we are about as far from Judea, Jerusalem, Samaria as you can get. When Jesus said ends of the earth, he was thinking of us. But actually, it's going to take some of us to go to the ends of the earth again for the sake of others. The church that Jesus is building must be focused on all believers having a going attitude, even if it's only to our neighbor's house. I mean, even if it's just like go and knock on their door and say, hi, you know, I haven't met you yet. But in our hearts, we should carry this understanding that every believer in every church has the mandate to be a witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. The Greek word um, apostolos, translated apostle, literally means sent ones. We're going to dive a little bit more into what the early church, uh, their understanding of, of this commissioning would have been in a minute. But being sent out has always been God's plan. Let me show you this from Scripture. So very often I think local churches are only focused on their own communities. 
And while that's a valid mission field, we should reach our community. It's not the ends of the earth at the sake of our community. I don't think that any church should be solely focused only on its immediate community. The entire church, and I think that means every local expression of the church should have a heart for the nations. It's not just a New Testament concept. We see it right um, from the beginning. It's been God's plan from the beginning. Genesis 12, verse 1 to 3 says this. Now the Lord said to Abram, this is Abraham before God changed his name from Abram to Abraham. Said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to a land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. Right at the beginning, the Lord asked Abram to leave his country and to go to a land that God would reveal to him. Paul, um, writing to the Galatians, calls these verses the gospel in advance. I love that. The promise that all people would be blessed through Abram and his seed. It was the gospel in advance. Go to the land that I'm going to show you. Um, and all people will end up being blessed through you. The church, us, you and I, are part of the seed of Abram. That blessing that God said in Genesis 12. God was so intent to, encomp- to accomplish this, bring us into the New Testament, that he sent his son. God sent Abram. God sent his son, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, you and I, that he sent his son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. Jesus Christ left heaven and came into the world to win people and to win nations back to him. As he was sent, now he's sending us, his church, his people, into the world. John 20, verse 21, Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. Jesus didn't just call the disciples to himself. He then sent them out. He did call them to himself, and he calls you and I to himself. But, we, but it's for the purpose of communing with him, being full of, becoming like him, and being sent out to bring others to him. He sends out the 12 in Luke 9. He sends out the 72 in Luke 10. He sends out all of the disciples in Matthew 28 and in Acts chapter 1. We like to use the phrase of the church that we gather and go. I mean, it's kind of like even just in our week to week. We gather and we go into our communities. We gather and we go and we gather and we go. But it's, it's bigger than that as well. It's like we, we, we gather to him and he sends us out. When Elodie and I started leading the team here at Melbourne Lights Church 14 years ago last month, which so it was quite a while, I had two very clear prophetic pictures like the second week that we were leading. One was of a revolving door, and the other one was of an airplane hangar. And I felt God said, um, Melbourne Lights Church, you will be um, like a revolving door. Um, a revolving door lets people come and go at the same time. Come into a building, into warmth, into shelter, uh, into a place of restoration, while at the same time people go out, out into the cold, out into you know, whatever it is that's there to take that with them. Coming in and out at the same time, and we want to be that sort of people. But an airplane hangar has the same sort of picture, but it speaks bigger. It speaks of nations. It speaks of groups. 
It's that, you know, airplanes come into the hangar, they get serviced, they get refueled, and then they go out again and they go to other places. And so there's this, this coming and going, this receiving and sending as a people, but then there's also groups and nations that God has for us. And I think we have to be careful not to limit our vision of what God's called us to, to just our local community. And I feel like for some of you, you know at some point, God has called you to nations. God's called you to go and, you know, and to go into areas that, that you might not come back from, to go as, as business people, to go as nurses, to go as church planters, to go have an impact. But for whatever reason, you've got distracted and you've laid that down. And I feel like this morning, there's, a stir, there's gonna be a stirring again to say, what does that look like? Where are you calling me to? Can I go again? We saw before that, uh, that the Greek word apostolos literally means sent ones. It's always been God's plan that his people would be the sent ones. Jesus says in Mark 10, verse 29 to 30, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with, uh, with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. I'm here because my parents said yes to the call of God. I was born in, as you can't tell, I was born in the US. Um, I am 100% Australian. This is my home. I think like an Australian. I love this nation. Um, but I'm here. I came here when I was 12 because my parents said yes to the ends of the earth. Yes to go. Yes to get out of their comfort zone. When Jesus sent out the disciples and he commissioned the early church, they already had a cultural understanding because of the times that they were living in. So at the time of Jesus' coming, uh, the time of the New Testament being written, the Roman Empire was aggressively expanding and taking territory. They were like going into, they were, the Roman Empire was going into all the world and trying to make it the Roman world. There were two words or two concepts that the people of the time were very familiar with that Jesus used to help them understand being the sent ones. I want to thank Louise for doing some research in this for me because um, she kind of pulled these out and said, hey, I think this would be really helpful for the preach, and it really is. Um, Two words or two concepts that they already were familiar with when he talked about being the sent ones. The first one was the word covenant, covenantus, covenantus, or covenantus. Um, it was when Roman citizens would gather or assemble anywhere in the Roman Empire. Whenever they gathered or assembled, this idea, uh, uh, the, the idea with this was that when they did this, all of the authority and the power of the emperor was with them. So whether they were at, you know, in lands far off or whether they were in Rome itself, whenever they gathered together as Roman citizens, the authority of the emperor was with them. So Jesus takes this concept that they were already familiar with, and he says in Matthew 18, verse 18 to 20, Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything, they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. 
Then in Matthew 28, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples. They understood the imputed authority of Jesus with them because it's something that they saw already in the natural world. That when Roman citizens, and many of the ones that the Bible was written to weren't Romans, but when they gathered, there was the authority of the emperor. And Jesus is saying, just like that, in my kingdom, when you gather, there's the, my authority is with you. When you're sent to go make disciples, my authority is with you, just like you see when the Romans gather. The second word or concept was this thing of apostle. It was a word that they used often. In Jesus' day, an apostle referred to this, the admiral in charge of a fleet of building materials and people sent to go into a new territory and build a city that looked just like Rome. He carried all the authority of the emperor. They, 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 they would send the supplies that were needed. Um, he would have plumbers and engineers and architects and teachers to reteach people in the Roman way. They would have architects and engineers to build cities that looked like Rome. To go into new regions and new territories and say, actually, we're going to change the culture and establish a Roman culture. So when Jesus said, some are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, and when he sends them out, like you are the sent ones, they understood this concept already because they saw it all around them. He, the, the, the apostle was sent and commissioned to build and to assimilate everyone into that territory, into a Roman culture. Paul the apostle refers to himself as an expert or master builder. We're sent. There's a whole other preach about the office of apostle, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. But we are all sent ones. And we are sent to bring a kingdom culture we're sent into our neighborhoods and we're sent into the nations to bring the kingdom culture of Jesus into that place and to transform, to teach, to equip, to have all of the supplies needed to see people's culture change, their identity changed from being people of the world to people of the kingdom. So when Jesus commissions and he sends out the disciples, they already had this understanding that they were going to establish a new kingdom, a new spiritual rule and reign. That when they went into a new territory, all the authority of King Jesus was there with them to see that accomplished. The resources, the people, the abilities that they needed would be supplied. The Roman apostle didn't question whether the resources that he needed would be supplied. He knew that when he went into a place that the Roman Empire would send the resources and the people and whatever it was that they needed to see that city established and that, that, that culture changed, that it would be sent to him. It's with this concept that Jesus sends the disciples out. And we know we go into a new region or a new territory or a new neighborhood that all of the resources, all of the people, all of the things that we need to see the kingdom shift is already supplied to us, that he's sending it. Even if we don't see it already, he's sending it to us. They knew that they were sent to build. This is what being an apostolic people looks like. 
people who understand this and who know we're sent to build. This is what being apostolic, we're a sent people. We're commissioned to bring the spiritual rule and authority of Jesus to new territories, to build, to equip, to transform people that no longer look like the place, so that they no longer look like the place that they live, but who begin to look like Jesus and carry his identity in his kingdom. In our neighborhood, in our city, and in the nations. When we go to the nations, we don't go just to bless them, although we go and we always want to be a blessing. When we go on the streets, we don't go just to bless. We go to, to see something of the transformation of the kingdom come. We, 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 I love that we say we take goods and the gospel because we actually want to bless people. We want to, the, the Bible actually says, what good is it to say, um, you know, be warm, but not give somebody something, a sleeping bag? What good is it to say, you know, be full, but not give them food? We want to meet, the, meet their need, but not just to meet the need, but to actually bring the gospel of Jesus to them, to see his kingdom manifest so that they're, they're changed. They're set free spiritually. This is a spiritual thing we're talking about. Many pastors are gathering people because it looks good when there's lots of people who come to listen to them teach. But being an apostolic people is a going culture. And apostolic people have to have a passion to go, not just to gather, to send, not just to say, and to give, not just receive. I want to finish with this question. What are you doing to prepare? If we're called to be an apostolic people, which we are, there's some heart preparation, but there's also some practical preparation. Somebody said this, the New Testament people have to have their passports ready. I mean, that's a very practical question. Do you have a passport? Because if God says to you tomorrow, get on a plane and go to the Philippines because there's a connection there and I want you to, to preach to them or I'm gonna open a door for you to go, to go work there or whatever it is, do you even have a passport? I think every New Testament believer should have their passport. And you gotta make sure you have more than six months on it because otherwise they won't let you fly out. Are you saving so that you're ready to go? Or if God says go, you suddenly go, oh, well, that's great, I'd love to, but I can't. I mean, this, you, might, you might say this is overly practical, but I think there's some realities because sometimes we live with our head up in the clouds and we go, yeah, of course, I'm, we're apostolic, we're going and sending people. Just as long as God doesn't ask me to go because I don't have a passport, I don't have any money, and I haven't prepared anything in my life to actually go. Are you free from debt? We've got to get free from some of these things that will hold us back from being able to go. God doesn't want you just to, just to rack up more credit card debt in the name of going to the nations. He wants you to be free from that and be able to save and put good practices in place so that we are ready to go, that we're free to go and bless others, that we're free to go and bring the kingdom into new regions. Are you asking God, where are you sending me? Have you actually ever asked God that? And it might be just to your neighbor. God, do you want me to go knock on my neighbor's door and just say, hey. I, I, I'm actually amazed at how many people have not met their neighbors. Just go, hi, this is my name. 
you know, nice to meet you. Is there anything I can pray for you for? To our workplace, to our communities, to the city, to the nations. God, where are you sending me? If we never ask, how are we going to know? Is our response like the response of Isaiah? The Lord says this to Isaiah in Isaiah 6 verse 8. It says, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for me? And then Isaiah said, here I am. Send me. Whom shall I send and who will go for me? Here I am. Send me. The church that Jesus is building is an apostolic people. Would you stand with me this morning? There's a heart shift in being a people who are, we've talked previously about being a prophetic people, about being an apostolic people, about being ascending people. There's a heart shift because so much of the church and so much of what we've been told by the church is that it's all about you. Jesus saved you so that you can have a blessed life, a perfect life, a comfortable life. You can have all the things that you want. If you're really, truly full of faith, then you'll be walking in his blessings. Maybe the music team could come up as well. Jesus doesn't actually say that. He actually says, if you follow me, you'll be persecuted, you'll have hardship, you'll face trials, you'll face hunger, famine, hard, you know, all these sort of things, but there'll be joy in him, there's peace in him, there's rest in him. You guys have gotten very quiet. There's a heart shift for us. And like I said before, I've, uh, I felt for some you'd know that God stirred something in your heart previously for nations. But you've actually stepped back because of comfort. You actually said, no, 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 like that's uncomfortable. I don't want to do that. And God's going to stir something again. He's fanning into flame again. We're going to respond in a minute. And we're going to end with a song this morning. Before we respond around being a sent people, because I know that God's, you know, God's, highlighting things for different people. You can look around the room and I know that God's stirring things. You gotta have a prophetic sense. God's you know, fanning into life again. But for some today, you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. And today he's calling you to follow him. Before he can send us, we have to say, yes, I'm gonna follow him. To repent. The Bible uses this word repent. It means to turn away. To say I'm sorry. And to turn away from all the wrong that you've done. From living for yourself. To turn away from sin. And to run to Jesus. To come to Him for salvation. To come to Him for identity. To come to Him for purpose. It starts though. And it's a humbling thing. It starts with saying I'm sorry. A lot of us struggle with that. I'm sorry, Jesus, for offending you. I'm sorry for sinning. I'm sorry I repent for living for myself. It's a humbling thing. Many of us like to say, would you forgive me? 
But actually, before you ask, would you forgive me, you actually need to say, I'm sorry. He wants to bring you into his kingdom today. He wants to mark you with his presence. He wants to give you a new identity and a new calling. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If you have any questions or would like more information, please contact us at melbournelightschurch.com.au.